0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halakha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series brought to you by Yesodblocks.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. In the series, we explore a new halakha in every episode. The goal is to show the underlying Kabbalah and Machshava layers to every halakha and to allow anybody who is very halakhic to actually understand what these things do, how they impact us on all the different layers of ourself, and to anybody who is very spiritual and wants to actually learn how to express that spirituality through the practical system of halakha. It's often a big problem with spiritual feelings, spiritual interiors, is having an inability Ability to actually know how to live those things in accurate ways that truly align with and reflect the things that we experience on the inside. So that's the goal of this series, is to show that in every halacha that we explore uh, in the Shulchan Aruch, going through straight from the beginning, uh, every episode of different halacha. If you're enjoying this content, if you've been listening to us for a while, please consider subscribing at yasoblox.com to our premium content. Uh, What that allows is it allows us to do a lot more of what it is that we're doing. We're trying to build a tremendous, essentially a Netflix for Kabbalah platform. That's what yasoblox.com is about. We're adding new series all the time. We have a lot of stuff being developed as we speak in the works, but we need your support in order to actually be able to achieve all of that. And every subscriber that we get counts. We're in the middle of trying to, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers right now to really allow us to do all the things that we're dreaming of doing. So please consider doing that. Uh, Literally every subscriber does count so if you want to subscribe it really will help so much to support what is we're doing and allow us to do more additionally if you do subscribe so then you get a ton of access to all the things that we're doing you get access to all the content that's already on yourstoneblocks.com and you can also reach out to me through the website using our whatsapp portal at yesoblox.com, to access me and ask me any questions that you have uh, about any of the content that I'm sharing here on this series or any of the things going on at yesoblox.com. So I have tons of people that are reaching out to me every day asking questions about Hashem, trying to figure out who they are, who Hashem is, and how to actually build that into some kind of real-life perspective, as opposed to Hashem being a vague guy in the sky that you can just... You know, just talk about in a very vague way without really understanding what that even really means. Uh, essentially, it's like having a friend or having trying to become friends with somebody that you don't even know that you that you only heard of in a vague way. Uh, people struggle tremendously in today's world with how to actually connect to Hashem, how to experience Hashem. I don't mean some kind of vague internal. Well, I experience Hashem a little bit through when you know when I feel the wind blowing. That could even be true, but I mean something that's much more specific, much more profound, much more real, much more alive. That's what we're trying to create with these and and. Uh, all the content that's on there really allows for opening the door to that type of understanding. So head over there if you're interested in trying to actually access Hashem in this type of real way into... To build your life, you can get a sense of what we're doing through this podcast, through our YouTube videos at our YouTube channel. And you can also subscribe there to get uh, you know, just to get notifications about new videos, and uh, then you can also get access to the super content if you really think that if you really see how this is transformational and really impacting you, then head over to Soulbox.com for yourself and get access to all of that. In this episode, we're in Siman Nun Gimel, and that's uh, section fifty-three, and we're in Halacha Beit, Halacha Bet, the second Halacha in Siman Nun Gimel, and this Halacha says. Ein lomar yishtabach. A person should not say the bracha of yishtabach. This bracha is the last bracha, the fi- the ending bracha, of e zimra. In previous episodes, we've been exploring this this second level of the morning tefillah process that was organized by chazal by the sages of the talmud and so the the second phase which is called psuket zimra which is filled with which is filled with songs essentially filled with writings about uh who hashem is in in, in essentially in, in, in an attempt to uh, correlate the second section with the second layer of reality so they're four plus one layers of reality called the Olamot in Kabbalah. And so the second layer is Olam HaYetzirah. Olam HaYetzirah can be thought of as analogous uh, to the world of emotion in terms of our own personal structure. We are microcosmic analogs of the macrocosmic structure of reality. So our outer uh, piece, our first layer, is the layer of behavior, of physical, of practical uh, expression. But the second layer underneath that is the world of emotional conviction. And so Psuket Azimra is supposed to be analogous to and correlating with the world of emotional conviction, Olam HaYetzirah. And so all the things that are in or the different uh, verses that we recite, the different paragraphs from Tehillim, uh, are all designed to create. Uh, some kind of emotional conviction connection with Hashem and with reality as an expression of Hashem, which is why it revolves around what we called in yesterday's episode the concept of Shevach, which is the idea of praise, and praise is not some kind of vague set of compliments that you give somebody to try to make them feel good so you can flatter them or pander to them. True praise is where you actually are able to perceive aspects of a person's character and then articulate them clearly to really see what it is that they are about uh, in a very true way, and that has tremendous impact when you actually share that out loud with them and with and you hear yourself saying it, you get more, um, more clarity, more understanding of who it is that they are. And that comes to undermine the distortion tendencies that we have, especially with, with each other, where we tend to view each other through the lenses of habit, where you, like you perceive a friend or a parent or a child uh, as a specific kind of set of things uh, that you've known them through that, you've seen them through that set of things, through that lens for a long time, because we just tend to build up habitual perspectives of other people. So we can actually uh, uh, begin to lose sight of who they really are. This is unfortunately a very major issue for parents with children, because parents, by definition, experience children in in a very dynamic state. Children, by de- ch- children change day by day, week by week, month by month, much faster, at least on the surface, and even somewhat underneath the surface, than adults do, although adults also can change dramatically if they really uh, get access to the change technology that the Torah maps out. And so, often parents end up misunderstanding children, they end up alienating their children by, by not recognizing that their, their child has become more than what they thought they were uh, and what they continue to perceive them as from past paradigms of that child. And so that's the idea of Shevach is to basically constantly try to update your software. Uh, regarding the other people in your life, to actually see the different things about them, what they're doing in in a full picture type of way, not in a distorted and biased way, to constantly try to analyze and see them for what they truly are. And not from a place of emotional positivity either, not just from a place of, well, I love you, so therefore, wow, you're so amazing, you're so special, and not negatively, like, "Why why why do you never listen? Why are you always causing problems? But actually to see what a person is. I'll give one example of that. Let's say you have a child that actually does cause a lot of problems in school. So you can actually look very carefully at, well, what is the nature, of the problem that they cause. Let's say, let's say the child is constantly speaking out in class uh, and is interrupting. So that means that the child's trait is that they have an abundance of netzach. Netzach in Kabbalah means that they are a very dominating personality. In other words, they are constantly broadcasting. And they're broadcasting at a very high volume that is potentially going to be uh, overwhelming. Other people's volume and making it that there's not enough room for other people to be there, so it's a dominating dynamic. So, dominating dynamics are very, very are, are just tools. They are there. It's it's an ability. Not everybody has that capacity. Not everybody has an abundance of netzach. So, if you have a child that does have an abundance of netzach, so in a school classroom, subjectively that simply will cause problems because school classrooms are all about. Everybody's sitting quietly, asking questions in an orderly way, and mo- mostly listening to the dominance netzach person who is the teacher. So what ends up happening um, very often to kids in school classrooms is that they simply become uh, convinced that they are problems because they are constantly being told that they are, they are disturbing, when in fact what you really have there is a conflict between two different forms of netzach, the teacher's netzach and the student's netzach. And so that creates this perception for the kid. The kid is much more uh, um, impressionable as a young person. So you have a real problem there. So now the question is, of course, what do you do with kids who constantly disturb classes? And that's a much longer discussion. But the point is that if you were able to look at that child and see what they truly are and say, this kid has a has an, an abundance of netzach, which in many situations will cause this type of outcome and other situations will cause positive outcomes or constructive um, utility or utilitarian outcomes. So then... Um, that's a very different perspective and that's really a much more balanced and true perspective instead of being kind of like a mixture of a person's trait and your reaction to it if you're a parent well why do you always always have to cause problems you can actually see what the what the kid is what the child is what his powers are what what at least one of his abilities is and identify it and articulate that to the child in a clear way not even in the context of the problems at school just in general so the child learns to see himself clearly so that's something which is uh um a, a, a classic example of real Shevach, because it actually helps to clarify the entangled ways that we see ourselves, that a child might see himself, especially after constantly being bombarded with negative feedback. That's what that's what um, Shevach is. So the the whole section of Sukhita Zimra is about that. And we end off the section with this bracha of Yishtavach, as we've been discussing already in previous uh, episodes. And so here what the Shulchan Aruch is telling us is that you're not supposed to say the bracha of Yishtabach, unless you also said the first bracha of Baruch She'amar, and at least some of the verses of P'suke Zimra, uh, that were added, the, the verses of either from sections like Ashrei or different paragraphs that are in P'suke Zimra, which we're not going through in detail right now. Um, But the point is that apsuketizimur is structured as with a a bracha in the beginning and a bracha at, at the end, and as we've discussed, a bracha is a set of uh, key words that we say and key sentence, a, a key sentence essentially that triggers awareness of Hashem's presence in con- in connection, in conjunction with a particular experience. In this case, the saying of these different words, the, the reciting of these different verses and, uh, and accessing their meaning, is, the idea of having a bracha before and a bracha after is to link this process and link the concepts that we are saying to Hashem in our own consciousness and thus expand our awareness of Hashem through the entire process, expand our awareness of Hashem in light of the concepts that we are speaking about in Sukhita Zimra. So here the Shulchan Aruch is basically making sure you understand that the last bracha, the bracha of uh, is part of the first bracha. In other words, this is one long bracha, and this is exactly what the Mishnah Berurah here explains uh, in Seif Katan Gimel, uh, section uh, subsection number three. Says uh, you can only say Yishtabach Elaim Ken Amar Brach Shamar, and it says here the Yishtabach he bracha because Yishtabach is the final ending bracha. Shnit kana Lomar that it was established to be said after Psuket Zimra. And it does does not begin with the word Baruch. In other words, it doesn't start with the normal uh, syntax of a bracha. Normally a bracha starts with the word Baruch, which means uh, more. We're trying to essentially access awareness of more of Hashem's presence. We're trying to expand our experience, our consciousness of Hashem's presence when we start to say a bracha. So Yishtabach does not start with the word Baruch, and that indicates that it is actually a tack on bracha. It's a tag along uh, that's supposed to be ending off signing off the first bracha, the Barche She'amar, Bracha that begins Psukeh e Zimra. And since it's since it's set up that way, you can't say uh, Yishtabach without also saying at least She'amar and some of the verses of HaZimra. E so that's the that's the idea. And as we discussed also, the importance here is that this is all one unit. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, this seems very technical, it's so specific. What what does it matter? I'll just say some. So get a Zimra, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Why does it have to be that I say this whole unit with Baruch Shemar beginning it, and then these things in the middle, and Yishtabach ending it? And the answer to that is, it's just like if you give a speech or write write an essay. When you write an essay, you're trying to articulate a whole unit of concepts. So essays, when I was trained to write essays in school. so they always tell you, you have to have an introduction a body and then a conclusion and there could be a lot of di- a lot of different uh, divergences inside of the body uh, you can have you know you can really flow to a lot of different areas but the But the introduction and the body and the conclusion, the whole idea is to link all that and turn it into a unit so that way it flows and makes sense as an entity. If you have an introduction and you have a body that just goes all over the place and and there is no conclusion, then you have no idea what just happened. And that's also true about our minds. In other words, what we're doing is trying to install perspectives about Hashem in our minds in an orderly way that actually leads to greater coherence, greater clarity, like we just said, the example of praising a child. So we're trying to create greater coherence and less distortion in our minds, less disorganization. So having this beginning and ending and middle that is all linked together in one unit is key to actually accessing and achieving the point of Tukhira Imra. Unfortunately, today, because many people don't know what these any of these words even mean. So when we say the the bracha before the bracha after and the things in the middle, it just creates a situation in which we're just kind of we have we're just going through the motions and we don't really know what it is that we're even saying. But I would strongly recommend, and there's going to be a series on your very soon about this, going through the actual words of Tzukah Azimra and other parts of Tefillah to actually explain what they all mean and how to how to say them. So the uh, the idea is to actually know what you're saying and to have that trigger cascades of thoughts in your mind, and that is the whole point of tefillah. And so that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to actually reformat our minds and make them stronger and more clear. And this is actually a huge uh, focus today in society as well, because people are constantly uh, discussing nowadays, there's all this um, misinformation and disinformation, which inevitably ends up being that the things that one person thinks are disinformation are what another person thinks are the truth, because each of us, unfortunately, develops very, very biased perspectives where we're just conditioned to think certain things without ever actually assessing uh, and analyzing our own thoughts and our own Uh, thought patterns. And the whole point of this type of process and all of tefillah more generally and all of learning Torah is to actually separate ourselves from our minds and actually be able to look at the kinds of things that we think and figure out whether they make sense, they fit together with other things that we know. Can we compare and contrast information, essentially go through the process that the Talmud goes through on a regular basis to actually assess and reassess our own thoughts and try to integrate them with each other so they become coherent bodies of ideas and coherent bodies of understanding. That's an organized and analytical and sharp mind. And so that's what we're trying to achieve here, and it could not come at a better time. But of course, if you don't understand the words that you're saying, then it really doesn't help very much, because none of this really ends up happening. So the point is that Yishtabach has to be linked to the first the first bracha and the middle parts as well, because that is the entire unit that is the process of Sukhita Zimra. And the last point I want to mention here is in the Mishnah Brura, where he says, "Amar uh, Amar." Uh, this is in Sifkatan uh, Dalin, subsection four. He says uh, you can only say Yishtabach if you also said Baruch Shem and you said some of P'sukei D'Zimra. He says, therefore, Al kain Avela Eli Yortzeit Ches Achru Lavola Let's say you have a, you have a person uh, who is a mourner or has a Yortzeit. In other words, uh, it's uh, the year day of his uh, of uh, the loss of a loved one. Um so usually a person in that state, a mourner or somebody who is who has a yard site, so they are they end up leading. They are the chazan as we discussed in yesterday's episode, they are the Shaliach tzibur Um and so what happens if one of them comes late and now he has to start from the Yishtabach, and he didn't say Barak Shamar yet or, or, or any of the verses of Tsukita Zimra. So the, the Mishnah Brewer says, Well what he has to do is uh, he has to at least say um Yishtabach and at least Baruch Shemar and part of and at least Ashrei in, in before he can actually begin the the next part of Tefillah. Normally, if, if that if that happens, then a person comes late. Very often, a mourner or somebody who has a site will start. Uh, leading the congregation, uh, the group, the tefillah group, um, from Yishtabach. So the question is, well, what if you came so late that you didn't even say Baruch Shemar or any of soketa Zimra? So the Mishnah here says, well, you need to say those things. You can't just start from Yishtabach. You're not supposed to do that uh, because of this issue that we just raised. And so what I wanted to take, just extract from this point is just something which, unfortunately, is not discussed, I think, enough in our societies and in the world of Torah in general, is what he's talking about here. You'll notice he's not judging. There's no discussion of whether it's good or bad that a person came late to tefillah in the group. There are contexts where Mishbaru talks about how it's important to come, and the Shulchan Aruch talks about how it's important to be on time and things like that, for sure. And of course it is. But often we have this uh, in our society. We have this thing where we we layer on top of the halacha. Uh, all sorts of um, guilt-related feelings, which are actually not you're not allowed to have that. That's called atzvut in in Torah language. Atzvut is not allowed at all. It's actually forbidden, because in Torah and in halacha, we don't only have a set of ideals of what you're supposed to do. We also have a situation that deal. We also have halacha, and we have we have halachic discussions of what to do when imperfect situations arise. And unfortunately, there's a very strong perspective towards Allah as a perfectionist system. These are all the things you're, you're supposed to do, you have to do, and then you have to basically live up to that. And when you don't, then you are now, at least in small ways, a failure, sometimes in big ways. And then you should feel guilty about that. All of that, that second part, the feeling like you're a failure and feeling guilty is not a Torah concept. You are not allowed to feel that way. It is actually forbidden by to- in the Torah to feel that you are a failure who is now, uh, now feeling guilty about that. You can feel what's called charata, which is regret, to say, oh, I see now, because of the way that I went to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning last night, I woke up late today, and now I, got, I came late to the tefillah group, tefillah b'tzibur. So that's fine, because now you can calculate better how to actually avoid doing that the next time. But to then just feel guilty and constantly feel like you're failing at this, and you're not living up to the system of halacha. that is a very problematic thing because what you're doing is you're creating a bubble in your mind which says, well, there's halacha, of what you're supposed to do and there's me and I'm outside of that because I failed or I wasn't able to live up to this. It's also especially true with sexual things. People have lots and lots of sexual struggles. Um, a, a good example is Shomer Nagia that we're generally not supposed to touch uh, people of the opposite sex um, unless we are at a state when where we are in a committed relationship with them, with Kiddushin and Nisuan, but people are constantly struggling with that because it's a very powerful desire. So people often, when they quote-unquote fail, in other words, when they are unable to to maintain that separation so then they look at it and they say, well, I guess halakha is not for me because I'm not perfect, I wasn't able to live up to that there's a whole set of halakha about what to do when you're struggling with that and exactly how to how to live with that how to adjust for it, how to constantly try to evolve while also struggling with it there's a ton of halakha about all of that and uh, the Mishra here is giving a good example of that where he just describes, yeah, a person who comes late, here's what you're supposed to do, and there's many other examples of halakha relating to what we do when we when make mistakes, because halakha is not a perfectionist system, it's a reality system, which deals with what to do when you are at an optimal state and able to actually really live uh, according to halacha fully. And then there are times where the halacha now has to discuss what to do when you are struggling with a particular area and there are halachos that relate to that struggle. There is nothing that is not included in the map of Torah and that's a very, very key point that I think can be easily extracted from this, uh, this Mishnah Bruhah. So hopefully that was interesting and helpful to you and thanks again for tuning in. Check us out at isoblocks.com and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.